Each year, more than 12 million people will hear the same three devastating words. You have cancer. I know what it's like to hear those three words. I'm Lee Silverstein, a survivor of pediatric kidney cancer and stage four colon cancer. One day I said to my wife, Linda, that I hated the fact that I had cancer. And she looked at me and said, no, sweetheart, we have cancer. This transformed the way I looked at cancer because every one of us is touched by it in some way. Patients and survivors, caregivers and medical professionals, and we all have a story to tell. On each episode, we share those stories to inform, inspire, and provide hope to all of us who are affected by cancer to remind us that we are not alone. Welcome to We Have Cancer. Welcome to episode 166 of We Have Cancer. Thank you so much for joining me. Hope you and your loved ones are staying safe during these challenging times. And for those who celebrate, I want to wish you a very happy Hanukkah. Before I get to this week's guest, I just want to invite you to check out the recently redesigned We Have Cancer podcast website. You can find it at wehavecancershow.com. And the specific reason why I'm sending you there is I put together what I think can be a valuable resource, and that is a comprehensive oncology visit checklist. I thought of basically every question I've asked my oncologist through my since my diagnosis early in 2011 and put them all into a document that you can print out and take with you on your visit or put on your device. And I think I've pretty much thought of everything that I could think of. And I think it would be something you'd be that you would find helpful. And it's available free to you. If you just visit our website, you get a little pop-up box inviting you to sign up to receive that. And I want to give you the opportunity to take advantage of what I believe is a uh, helpful resource. My guest this week is Brody Nichols. And Brody is the CEO and founder of Campaign One at a Time. They are a nonprofit charity that provides joy and support uh, for children and their families who are battling pediatric cancer and other life-threatening illnesses. You can follow them on Instagram and Twitter at Campaign O-A-A-T, which stands for One at a Time, their Facebook page, One at a Time, and by visiting their website, CampaignOAAT.org. Brody is a young man that is so inspiring to find someone who has made it pretty much their life's mission to positively impact children and their families who are experiencing cancer or life-threatening illnesses just really touched my heart. And I know our conversation will touch yours as well. Join me now for my conversation with Brody Nichols. Brody, welcome to We Have Cancer. Thank you so much for joining me. When your colleague Tanya reached out with your story and I saw pediatric 
cancer, said immediately, this is a conversation I need to have, not because it's important to have, which of course it is, but as our listeners know, who've been following We Have Cancer for a number of years, that this is how I first started in my own cancer journey, being diagnosed with a Wilms tumor when I was around five, totally by accident. I actually went in to have my tonsils out. And, you know, anytime they do a surgery, they do the pre-op stuff. And my pre-op stuff said, hold off on the tonsils. We got something else going on. My tonsils are still with me, but my left kidney left me about 55 years ago. <laughs> so so this is near and dear to my heart and, and it's the main reason why I wanted to have you on. And as I was looking at your story, I learned that the, your project, Campaign One at a Time, all started with a young lady named Sam. Tell me about Sam. Yes. And first of all, Lee, honored to be here. Thanks for having me on. Really enjoyed reading up on your story when Tanya shared it with me and a few words we've exchanged before this. Uh, I'm really excited to be here. So, so Sam, she was my next door neighbor growing up. And a little backstory on Sam is every single day as I would pull out of my driveway, I see this little girl, six years old, shooting hoops, you know, seven years old, shooting hoops, eight years old, and I would wave, wow. you know. Yeah, yeah, and she's just so determined to, to play basketball. And we come from a really competitive town, our, our middle school. It's one of those schools where hundreds of kids try out, only 12 make it. Seventh grade comes, and to be honest, she got cut from the team. She did not make the 12-girl roster. Oh, wow. This, this girl I saw all day. I don't think there was a time I pulled out of my driveway and not saw her playing basketball. And huh. she played every day through the winter, through the fall, through the summer, and she made that 12 girl roster in eighth grade, which is very rare for, for those that know middle school sports, like usually the same 12 kids are on the team, the seventh and eighth grade year, she made the eighth grade team. And so that year was awesome for her. I actually went to one of her games. It was, it was cool to see her play. And at the time I was a full-time musician, uh, 23 at the time, living my best 23 year old life, you know, just playing shows. I, I had a recording studio, so I spent a lot of time there. And so, like I said, every day I'd, I'd pull out of my driveway to go to the studio. I'd see Sam, we'd wave, that was that. One day I pulled out of my driveway and Samantha was not there playing basketball. Not a big deal. I mean, every kid has dinner, right? Or takes a break. <laughs> you know, another day goes by, another two weeks go by, this this little girl's not outside playing basketball. And I finally run into her mom out in the driveway. I'm like, hey, where's Sam been? She's like, you know, Sam, she was having these leg pains. We thought they were growing pains because she's in eighth grade. She's an athlete. Kind of brushed it off a little bit, but they got worse. And we finally brought her in and she was admitted on the spot with ALL, leukemia. And she's living at the hospital now. And it just did something to me. And I'm not going to act like I was best friends with this little girl. Like I said, she was my neighbor. We were friends, but it was, it, it was just for some reason, she wasn't my family member. Like I said, we weren't super, super close neighbors. But it made me realize like, wow, just an instant things change. And and to be honest, I didn't take immediate action. I, I kept going about my day. I went to the studio and it must have been like a couple of weeks later, I was sitting there pondering my own life as a 23 year old. Yeah, I'm having a bunch of fun. I have these cool things, but I was also going through hard stuff. I was just getting out of a four year relationship. Uh, my parents were kind of going through through some issues, just just adulting things, right? I, I own this yeah. recording studio, great, but I'm also paying the overhead. And when <laughs> the overhead, you know, I'm, I'm maxing credit cards, like there's just a bunch of stuff. And I'm sitting there thinking about how hard my life is. And then it hit me that it's not that hard. It's not as hard as what Samantha's going through. It's not as hard as what her parents are going through. It's not as hard as what her brother's going through. 
watching his little sister suffer like this. It's hard for me to, I'm getting the chills right now talking about it because it was, I call it my moment. I sat there when I was pondering my own hardships and realized what, what she was going through was harder. And I had no idea what a nonprofit was. I had no idea how to fundraise. I didn't know anything. All I knew is I wanted to do something. And I had no idea what it was at the time. So I called a couple of friends and I knocked on her parents' door and I said, hey, I'm a musician. I play all these shows. Can we make these? And we still have them today. Can we make these wooden bracelets and sell them at my shows? And 100% of whatever we make will go to doing something nice for Samantha. And at the time, I'll tell you, my goal was to buy her a Nintendo Wii. I thought like, oh, maybe raise a couple <laughs> hundred bucks. You know what I mean? These things just went off the shelves. We, I was fortunate enough to have a friend who had a laser engraving machine. We would come into the studio, just pile in a bunch of neighbors, and we'd make these bracelets out of just this strand you get on Amazon and, and the wooden pieces. And, and what does it say? I can't see it from here. Uh, so it says OAAT, one at a time. And then on the back, it actually has a hashtag that represents a child that we're campaigning for. So we have people all over the world that have an arm full of bracelets because they've supported so many different kids. It's really cool. Yeah, Yeah. it's really fun. So Samantha was the first one. And back then, they weren't even this cool. They were just these small circular little bracelets that said one at a time. And the way we signified it with Sam's bracelet is we put an orange bead for leukemia and we used blue strand because that was her favorite color. So once again, my idea is like, oh, we'll raise a couple hundred bucks, get her a Wii. We ended up raising $2,500 in this, this little campaign we ran through my, my shows and little events we did. And I'm like, wow, that's, that's going to buy quite a few Wii's. You know what I mean? So <laughs> I asked her just, a, I guess, a pretty cliche question. It's like, oh, what are a few of her, her, her wishes, you know, her, her dreams? And they said she wants to learn how to ride a bike again, like a normal kid. She wants to be able to go swimming with her friends this summer. And she wants to learn to play the drums because now that she doesn't go, go to school, she just, she's you know, really antsy and she wants to do something. And most people think, oh, you're a musician. The drums thing stood out to you. It did. And we totally lined that up. She got a drum set, drum lessons. Is that all what that. you play? I play uh, guitar, ukulele, and vocals. But, nice. but still, you know, the music thing was huge for me. But what really hit me was that her biggest dream at the time was to learn how to ride a bike again and go swimming. We could do those things every day. And it just goes back to the perspective. And it's like, wow. So, so what we did aside from, like I said, lining her up with the drums, she played a couple of shows with us, really, really cool experiences with her. But we also got her some rash guards. So it covered her port. She got to go swimming that summer, ended up getting, getting her on the jet ski with my family out of the lake, like did a bunch of water stuff with her. And it was, uh, became normal for her to get in the water again. We got her a trike, a three-wheeled bike. So she got to put her little dog in the front seat and, and she got her confidence back. Her leg muscle started working. And, and that's Sam and, and just bring it full, full picture. She's now a, a senior at Chico state and she's cancer free. Wow. I was, and, I was waiting for the ending. Yeah, I, was, I know. Yeah. Was yeah hoping I it was a positive ending. Yeah. Uh, not, now, now I've got the chills. Right. And, and to see once again, it was just a fun project for me and my friends to do this for my neighbor, but to see her recover, to see what the personal time did with it, just spending time with their family. Like they were already our neighbors. We saw them in passing, but to spend time in their home, have meals with them, it, it changed my life. And it, to be honest, it saved me, you know, from all the hardships I was going through. And unfortunately, like we've sponsored a bunch of kids now. And unfortunately, they don't have that fairy tale ending. But the kids that we have lost, what their parents have told us is those memories we made, those are priceless. And that's something they'll have forever. Um, and that's, once again, something that's been priceless to me and, and what keeps me doing this six years later. So how did it grow Brody from Sam 
to this whole nonprofit of campaign one at a time? So when we sponsored Sam, once again, no business plan, no 501c3 cash in an envelope. That's all it was. It was just cash in an envelope. We go to Toys R Us. We, we do whatever we need to do with the money. And it didn't come till we sponsored Sam. We build like a little Facebook page, right? And and then it was like, cool, we sponsored Sam. You know, we're, we're keeping in touch with her hanging out, but it's like, let's, let's sponsor another kid. You know, so I was living in Sacramento at the time and I found out about this little girl from the area, but getting treated in San Francisco, about two hours away. So we go and we visit with her and her and her family clicked. And um, her dream was to have a, she was doing music therapy at the hospital. But when she was outpatient, they obviously took the guitar. You know, she couldn't take the guitar home. So we totally lined her up with a Fender Strat, big red amp, threw her a huge surprise party with all her friends. It was awesome. And unfortunately, Emily was the first child. She ended up relapsing again and um, passed away, which was super hard on us. But once again, fueled the fire to sponsor another kid, another kid. We started realizing not just the money we were raising, the gifts and experience we were giving, but the time. Once again, the experiences with these families, the meals, the hanging out, the joking in the hospital room. The, it just fueled. It was a snowball effect. We sponsored another kid and another kid. Then by 2016, it got to two years. Once again, we did this for two years, cash and envelope, no bank account, nothing, all volunteers. And it hit me that like, yo, let's let's really try to try to do this. And we did the 501c3, still didn't even really know what we were doing. We just, a lot of people wanted to donate, but they couldn't because they couldn't get the write off, whatever it was. Right. And and we do that and it just grew. It it just grew. And now we help kids all over the U S and the Philippines. And it's, once again, it's, it's, I'm super grateful for the opportunity. It's been amazing. You keep using the word we, who, who Mm -hmm. is we, and where did we come from? So, so yeah, so I founded it with, at the time, just a couple friends that were in the right place at the right time. My friend, Hosanna, who was a musician as well. I, I kind of just was like, Hey, do you want to help me with, you know, helping my next door neighbor and we can play, play shows for her and stuff. Yeah, I'm down. And she was dating at the time, my other friend, Andrew, who is a web developer. So he, once again, right place, right time. Hey dude, I'll make you a website for free. I'm like, Oh, sure. Let's make the website. And so, so they've since gone on their own ways, huge supporters of one at a time still. But over the time, you know, I've got new volunteers. And then when we, when we got bigger, I have, I have Tanya now. She's our director of community outreach. I've got a marketing team, amazing Siri, Chris and Arlene. And then we've got Josh, who's kind of our admin assistant um, with some of the business stuff and a great board. So yeah, I, I like to use we because I, I could have never done this by myself. There's a lot of moving parts in running a charity and it's, it's a lot of work, but it's, it's fulfilling and we've had a lot of people come in and out. Um, and it's, it's been great having so many people involved over the years. And the website is very well done. And as I mentioned in the uh, intro for our listeners, you can visit uh, campaign one at a time at campaign org and learn all about the amazing work and, and the team over there. One of the things that caught my attention, Brody, was you talk about now that you've expanded into youth ambassadors. Tell us about that. So after, I think it was our... Our eighth or ninth campaign, you know, we started just getting more coverage and we had like adults obviously giving back, volunteering, donating. And then we started getting kids. One of our donors and volunteers, Christy, her daughter at the time, I think she was four or five years old and she saw what we were doing for the kids and she wanted to help, you know, and it's like, great. Like, uh, I, I don't know, you can't like send the kid to the store or anything, but it's like, why, why don't you make like some videos for us or something? 
And she made videos and promos for we were sponsoring another four-year-old from Northern California that her biggest dream is to go to Disneyland with her family. And so this little girl ended up selling, I think, $250 worth of bracelets for, for Super Emily, we call it. And it was just a spark to see this child who is, is not ill, does not have cancer, choose to give her time and ha- actually have a passion like we do to help these kids. And then to see her running around with other kids with cancer. And it, it, they're not different. They're just kids helping kids. And it, it was just this huge light bulb for me. It's like, wow, we're, we're hitting a whole bunch of areas of impact here. Because now these kids are able to grow up together and, and see that somebody may be missing an arm, a leg, or an eye. We're all just kids supporting each other. And the beautiful part of that side story is Super Emily, the little girl that we were campaigning for, she became a youth ambassador. And now her and oh, her wow. mom and dad, yeah, they, they fundraise for other kids. And, and once again, just a snowball effect where now we have what we call spread good champions. And that's basically anybody that would like to get involved on a fundraising level. They come in, they tell us where, where they want to impact, how they want to impact, whether they're using a talent, a skill, whatever it is. And, and we kind of just onboard them onto the spread good squad. That's kind of what we call ourselves. The spread good squad. How can you not love that? Have you found that chemotherapy has caused frequent trips to the restroom, which has left you either in pain or itching or irritated? I know that it's happened to me through my numerous chemotherapy treatments, and I really was at my wit's end. I tried some wipes and didn't really like how that made me feel. And then I came upon Lux Bidet, and Lux is spelled L-U-X-E. And it took me all of, I don't know, about 15 minutes to attach this thing to the toilet seat. And once I did, with a turn of a knob, I was able to rinse myself off with a cool jet of water. And it felt so much more comfortable and really relieved a lot of the pain and the itching you know, from all of the wiping. I encourage you to check out Lux Bidet by visiting wehavecancershow.com forward slash Lux. Again, that's L-U-X-E to check out their line of bidets. And I know that if you suffer from these side effects, picking up one of these will really make a drastic difference in how you feel. True transparency. First off, I would never promote a product that I myself don't use and don't enjoy. So you you know that that's the case here. And if you make a purchase, a small contribution does go to the We Have Cancer Show to help offset some of our costs. However, that that incentive is not passed on to you in any way. It just helps us uh, here at the We Have Cancer Show.com. I know. You'll enjoy it. Check it out again at wehavecancershow.com forward slash L-U-X-E. How, yeah. ma- how many kids are, are being sponsored at this, t- at this time? So we sponsor one child a month. So what we do is we'll pick one kid and we just do a whole campaign on their story, the awareness of what, what illness they're going through. And then we, we have this kind of grand finale gift or experience we're fundraising for. So for instance, last Last month, our child was Kier out of New Jersey, and he was a relapsed child and unfortunately was getting his right leg amputated. So we wanted to get him a service dog. So we campaigned all month to raise $10,000 to team up with Merlin's kids to get him a service dog. And so aside from just the fundraising, once again, it's a personal experience. It's 
checking in with them daily, seeing how they're doing, providing other types of support and joy. And then so aside from the once once a month kids, we also have a broader outreach program where we, well, pre-COVID, we were hosting a lot of events where multiple kids from different areas can come be a part of. But now our main sources of impact are care packages. We send care packages out every month to different, not only hospitals, but individual kids that apply with us, seeing we can't fully sponsor every kid at the moment. We provide meals for kids and families in the hospital. And then a new a new innovative touch we've had during the pandemic is seeing we cannot be face-to-face with the kids as much as we've teamed up with some characters and we actually do virtual princess calls now and character calls. So these kids that are in the hospital are getting calls from Ariel and Elsa and Belle. And it's been awesome to see our impact move virtually and be able to pivot that way and bring just as much joy as if we were in the room. That's spectacular. How are the children, how do, what's the application process? How are they selected? Yeah. So basically we have an online application process. We're fully word of mouth referral based and just connecting through social media, Instagram, parents telling other parents, but it's just a simple form that they can find on the homepage of our website and they submit the form. And we have kind of this golden rule that we go by that any kid that applies, we will do something for at some capacity. Like I mentioned, we unfortunately can't run a full campaign for every kid just because of our scale right now, but we basically go over, over the application Tanya runs all of those applications and she basically, she skims through them, does what she can, what she can for the kids on the basic level, whether it's a care package, a meal, a virtual visit. And then for those, um, not saying that not all the stories are hard hitting, but those stories that she, she really feels compelled to, you know, let's, or we see there's a dream that's a little different or, or a kid that's in a position where we can do something extra special. She shares that with the rest of the team and we kind of, yeah, kind of pick the next one at a time kids that way. Has this become your full-time gig? It has. It has. As of, this is my third year doing this full-time. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah. So it's been, it's been exciting. What's your vision for, for campaign one at a time? You know, so, a year yeah. down the road, a few years down mm-hmm. the road. Mm-hmm. So this year was as, as most charities went through a curveball, most businesses in general. But, but overall, what I'd like to do is just continue to scale, it's been so cool. Like, you know, the first three years we helped 12 kids and now we're helping hundreds and thousands of kids. And it's, it's really special, but what I'm trying to ingrain and why I put so much time into it for so long personally is I, I want us to have that personal touch. So I want to get to a point where, yeah, this is fundraising. Yeah, this is campaigning. Yeah, this is gifts. But to have, it's not just, here's your gift and, and, and thanks so much and, you know, best of luck like we go to kids softball games and soccer games and like we're in it, you know, and as we've now we're helping kids all over the U S I can't say we're going to every soccer game or whatnot, but they're connected with a co-host. I just got off a call with our, our October co-host. What we've implemented is now that I, I used to work with every single kid that that was the whole thing. And now that we're so big, we have different volunteers in different areas. And I just got off a call with our Bay area volunteer and let her know, like, yeah, it's, it's all about just having that personal touch. You know, whether it's going to lunch with them, doing a virtual call, talking with the mom to see how she's doing like those. That's what I'm trying to instill in the company as we scale. And I want to keep keep integrating our program in in different areas. We've already covered multiple areas in the U.S. We branched out in the Philippines last year, which has been just the most amazing experience. And we're looking at some possibilities in India now. So just, you know, we've gotten applications from all over the world. But once again, we're just trying trying to find a way to do it the right way and make sure that we're ready 
for that and, and we have the bandwidth. But I just wanted to keep growing. I don't think the goal is to be the biggest nonprofit ever. I could actually say for a fact that's not the goal. I just want to continue to make sure we're making a positive, real impact that lasts a lifetime with these kids and their families. Is there a personal connection to the Philippines? There, well, it's funny because I'm Mexipino. Um, so 50% uh, Mexican, <laughs> 50%. Mexipino. Wow. Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah. That's my, that's my party icebreaker right there. But uh, I, I am Filipino. To be honest, though, I, I never really had, you know, I eat Filipino food. Yeah. But I'm, I'm pretty Americanized. I've never gone there before. One of my board members, Axel, he, he actually works in the Philippines on and off. So it was kind of his idea in a board meeting in 2019, January, we're talking about like the vision for 2019. We want to help kids with our big project was actually in Florida, funny enough. And so we were doing a lot in Florida, how we want to cover this territory, this territory. And he jokingly says, why don't we like hop over to the Philippines and help a few kids? And we're like, oh, that's funny. But being in our 20s, the tickets are booked a few months later. And we, uh, (laughs) We head over to the Philippines with the goal to, to sponsor five kids, which is a big deal because we're only sponsoring one kid a month. Now we're sponsoring five kids in 10 days. Long story short, we get over there and really small budget. I think we ended up coming over there with like eight to nine grand, like not a lot of money. We get over there and we, we meet with the five families, but then word gets out that we're there. And next, you know, another Philippine application. Another, I ended up renting out a second story McDonald's and we sponsored 19 kids that trip. And, and we came back in December and sponsored a hundred more. Wow. Yeah. And it just goes to show how far the dollar goes out there in the area of impact. Uh, it, it was moving. So I guess I kind of rambled there, but yeah, no personal connection, but now it's personal. It's definitely personal. It, it, after seeing what I've seen with kids here, it's, it's, it's tough and it's real, but going out there and seeing these kids go through that and not really have a good roof over their head or not really have the groceries necessary to just survival normal life that 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 motivated me more than I, I could have ever thought so so that's where we are with with that project so you got some incredible tv coverage you know uh, my wife and i always joke and sometimes i'll walk in the room and she's watching something i'm like oh what you watching sweetheart she goes oh it's a it's a chick flick you wouldn't be interested <laughs> but what i notice is you know especially starting around this time of year there, here comes the Hallmark Channel with all of their, their Christmas specials. And I don't even celebrate Christmas. I'm Jewish, but I always find that they're kind of heartwarming and you kind of grab your attention. How did Campaign One at a Time wind up getting that coverage from Hallmark? So when I moved to L.A. exactly four years ago now, just around this time, I was doing like one at a time voluntarily. Once again, it it was just a side project. So I was a musician. I was kind of getting into acting a little bit, kind of doing the LA thing. And uh, to be honest, just needed a job. And my friend was working at Hallmark at the time. And he's like, hey, uh, you you should come check this gig out. They pay a couple hundred bucks a day to just help out on set, you know, be in a production assistant. It's like, I'll go check it out. And um, the next day I started working like they just they just clicked me and the court coordinator clicked. And, um, you know, working in L.A. is for those of the people that have done it. it, it it's cool because everybody's like, you know, working on a show, but everybody's doing their own thing. You know, you work your 12 hours at Hallmark, but you're writing a script or you're auditioning for something or you're a, a band, whatever it is. And I started meeting just some really, really cool people on set. And I, w- I never talked about one at a time. I was just there to work, you know, do my thing. And I'd go home and work on one at a time after. Slowly the word gets out. One, one person finds out, oh, he helps these kids. It's so cool. Buys a bracelet here and there. 
And then it just kind of got word to the production coordinator. And she's like, hey, what is this thing everybody's talking about? And I told her about it. And it got to one of the executive producers. And they're like, we want to have you on the show. And it's like, okay, yeah, let's, let's do it. And that's, to be honest, that's where we kind of popped. Because coming off of that show, I'm getting calls and emails from all these people from all over. And one of them was a lady in Indiana calling and saying, hey, there's a little boy uh, named Martin. He's four years old and he's got Dipchi. At the time, I'd never even heard of Dipchi. And and so, yeah, so horrible, non-curable brain tumor. And, you know, he he's terminal. Can you guys come out here and do something for him? And if I'm being honest, I had said, I'm so sorry. We can't. We're just a small little Sacramento, L.A. nonprofit. Like, you know, I can't, but we'll send him a gift basket. And after I hung up with the phone, so full circle, but my production friend at the time is sitting there and I'm like, man, I feel so bad that I had to say no to that lady. And he was like, didn't uh, Hallmark just give you a $2,500 check? And the funny story about that, they were supposed, they were surprising me on, on stage or on, on live TV with a thousand dollar check, but the host messed up and said $2,500. So they had to write it to me. It was great. It was great. And I, I didn't push that at all. I, I didn't expect any money. I thought we were just going on their share, but but it hit, I was, he's like, why don't you just put that 2,500 bucks directly and going to help that kid? And I was like, okay. And, and so I put this whole sales pitch together to call my board. I was like, all right, maybe, maybe they'll go for it. And I, I get to the very end of this, like really exhausted pitch and they go, yeah, Brody, go. I was like, oh, all right. We ended up going out there, throwing this kid a concert, his, you know, to get him on stage, raise over 10 grand for him. And, and he passed away, you know, six months later, but Laura, who, who was the one that called us, has, has flown out to our gala. She actually bought me this one at a time tattoo and got the same matching one. It, it's crazy, man, like the way these things connect. And even though that little boy is, is you know, he passed on, we made some amazing memories with him. And we, we built family out there in Indiana that we would have never had without that opportunity. So thank you, Hallmark, again for putting us on. But it, it's so cool to see how the dots connected and it it grew to us going out to Miami to do a, a feeding project. We helped over 200 kids Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving meals to these kids at Miami-Dade and Joe DiMaggio. And, and the, the, inter, the national project just kept growing. And it was just experience after experience after flight after flight. And that's when it hit me after being on the show that I was doing it part-time, or I was doing it completely voluntarily. Um, so I would go work on Hallmark for a month, take a week off, go do a project, work on, you know, and then that's when it hit me after that Hallmark segment. Like if I could believe in myself enough to just jump in this driver's seat and, and do this, we could just help so many more kids consistently. And that's kind of what we've been doing the last few years. And we've grown an amazing team and here we are in 2020. Wow. Well, you have really uh, touched my heart with the work you're doing. It, it's not often, and, and I don't want to be stereotypical, but it's not often you see someone at your age this passionate about, you know, taking on something full time, making this your gig to give back and help others. And I want to offer our support to you. This episode, I haven't even told you this yet. This episode is going to come out right before Christmas. And you awesome. and I are going to you and I are going to talk offline once this is done. And we're going to put our heads together and find some way that for the We Have Cancer community to do something to to help the amazing work you're doing. And maybe we can make at least one, if not more, kids Christmas maybe a little bit brighter. So amazing, we're going to talk man. about Thank that. You. So folks, check out the this episode with Brody. 
at the wehavecancershow.com website for more information. Um, we're recording this now in September, but it's going to come out in December. So my apologies for not having details because we're going to we're going to work that out, Brody and I. Love it. I love uh, it. This just touches just so close to me uh, as we talked about, and and I think we're going to figure out a way to maybe be a Florida arm of support for the amazing work you're doing. Thank you so much, Lee. Like I said, that totally didn't expect any of that. So it's already an honor just to be here on this podcast with you. And I'm, I'm extra excited now to continue collaborating to see how we can keep spreading good together. Thank Sounds you. Good. All right. We're going to talk more. Brody, thank you for coming on. We have cancer and just thank you for just the selfless work that you've done and where you've taken this thing. I just think it's absolutely incredible. And uh, you're going to figure out how we can take this thing to the next level. So be well, my thank friend. Thank you. Thank you so much. You as well. Thank you for listening to We Have Cancer and thank you to the Colon Cancer Coalition for your ongoing support. You can learn more about the Colon Cancer Coalition by visiting their website at coloncancercoalition.org. You can subscribe to the We Have Cancer podcast, stay up to date on our latest blog posts, listen to the latest episodes, and much more by visiting our website at wehavecancershow.com. You can also follow us on Instagram and Twitter at We Have Cancer Pod. And on Facebook, you can join our private Facebook group by visiting We Have Cancer. Thank you again for listening. Be well, everyone.